0: I get to go on this exciting journey with you. I get to visit showrooms and trade shows and introduce you to magazines and publications or to art galleries, and I get to see what your reaction is firsthand to a piece.
1: Hello, my name is Luis de Oliveira, founder of Dalla Spada, and this is A Place to Talk. I met with Brian Wolfe inside one of his latest projects in the elegant neighborhood of St. John's Wood. I can't help but love his story of a concert pianist who became an interior designer working around the world, Brian told me how clients with a Pinterest vision can be challenging as that gets in the way of a rewarding design process. So let's get right to it. What do you think is, is like the burning issue in your, I don't know, in your professional life right now? What is the thing that, that
0: will really get you going? Is it? I think all clients the think they're client designers leadership. these days. Yeah, I think clients come convinced that they already know what they want to achieve with a space without having considered other options. Every client comes to a designer with Pinterest boards and screenshots so, of so Instagram. So let's, let's define this.
1: This is the client with preconceived ideas. Yeah. Right. The the one who knows what they want. What they
0: say. Then the ones that say they know what they want, but they want to copy stuff. They want to. They've seen something. Can you create that? And I'm like, well, then just. Go do it yourself. Don't hire me. I'm, you don't hire a designer to recreate something that's already been done. You hire a designer to do something new and something different. It may look like or it may end up having the same aesthetics as another project but at least it's been considered the right size furniture has been bought. There's been a little bit of consideration given to the products that you're going to use and how it matches with your lifestyle but don't come to me and say recreate this bathroom or recreate this living room for me because I love it. So people are saying that that this whole Pinterest Instagram thing is actually designer heaven right because it is educating clients but you just turned Mm. that around on its head I I I would disagree massively. I think It's heaven for designers at a certain end of the market. Designers who want off-the-shelf solutions, they want to churn clients in and out very quickly, it's a cash cow for them. If somebody comes and you're turning over 40 projects a year and they come and say, hey, that's what I want, you can take that picture, you hand it to your junior members of staff And and say copy that and you don't have to show up to any design meeting, it's just done and you hand back to the client what the client gave to you and you say, well, that's the product, that's the product, this is on a floor plan, let's just press green and go. And but now we're going to reach an uncomfortable truth. That's exactly what a client asked for. Yeah. And that's exactly what they got, so they're happy. They're happy, but they could have done it themselves and they didn't need a designer. What they needed was a stylist or a decorator. They don't need an interior designer or an interior architect or an architect to give them that. And I think we need to be careful. So you're advocating for a new profession, right? I, I think stylists, I'm advocating for stylists, recogn- stylists. recognizing the different skills of, and the different levels of experience that people bring to the table. And I would fight for designers and architects alike to work together in educating clients and saying, "Hey," and I say "no to projects" the whole time. You don't need me. Here are links you or a list know, of you know what you want. Yeah, a list of people that can help you, and it'll be a damn sight cheaper. You don't need my name on the project. I'm not going to be advertising it or entering into towards because I'm not going to be copying somebody else's project at the end of the day. So I fight for people to say "no to projects." I fight for people that say, "I'm sorry, I'm not going to recreate my my peers' work." because you asked me to do it. You don't need me to do that. You can go somewhere else to do that. But here's the intriguing thought that, that many people in the field of design actually grumble about the lack
1: of knowledge that people have about the things that go into interior design the finishes the, the thinking, the, the thought process that is the design of a home, right? Mm. And they, they say that that lack of background and knowledge makes design a bloody torture because you explain something to a person and they're like, nope, I, I don't get it, right? So in, in a funny way, Instagram is educating people, isn't mm-hmm. it, or not? Or you don't think that's...
0: No. I think it's, it's You're stopping people, people from having original thought and original ideas. It's very easy. you go into to it, a if shop if and I buy come, if, I,
1: if I come to you as a clean slate, I know mm-hmm. nothing about things. I know nothing. I have no culture of art. I have no culture of objects. I have no culture of finishes, right? I know nothing. Hmm. Am I your perfect client?
0: You are my perfect client. Because uh, I can like, take you, you on a journey. An empty fella.
1: I can, I can, I <laughs> You're an empty vessel it. and I get to
0: fill it with the most amazing objects or flowers. So, so and what, cre- what role do I play? In, in you this? pay the checks just, and you absorb what, what information I give you. And I, I get to go on this exciting journey with you. I get to visit showrooms and trade shows and introduce you to magazines and publications or to art galleries and i get to see what your reaction is firsthand to a piece you might walk in and you say Oh, i can't stand that and i'll ask you why or you might go oh i'll take you to a showroom and all of a sudden you start touching things and i can identify you're touching it because you're being drawn in and it's like a it's the magnetic feel that you're feeling is you're, you're really enjoying this piece or you're seeing the value of its tactility or its texture and I get to see that and then I start to make those mental notes and then I start to choose the next layer of objects that I will introduce you to a little more carefully because I'm building my knowledge base of you as a client. So when I then give you an an in-design scheme or a mood board or a material board, it should have the objects that you have had a positive experience with. And you'll go, oh, actually, yes, yes. there are clients that still at that no, point can, can't yeah, identify. Let me throw a spanner in the works.
1: You've got so you've you've you, you this Mr. and Mrs. Clean Slate or Mrs. Mm. Clean Slate is a, a person who has no biases, but can be exposed to things, and then based on how they're reacting, you you can build a project around mm-hmm. them. But it's true. I mean, I think it's it's perhaps overstated or overhyped, but. Being knowledgeable about design has become one of those things that a modern Renaissance man or woman (laughs) allegedly is supposed to know something about, right? They buy magazines that speak Mm. design to them. Some of them have personal interests. I mean, there might be people that have a a, a job that requires a lot of their time, but they read about sport and they read about design and they read about art. So they're trying to cover all these areas. These are no longer clean slate people, are they? They're people that, for example, like a specific lamp. Yeah. because they've been told to. So I'm going to show up here. Isn't this a better client? Someone that brings already a few of these strong preferences or we're just going to end up fighting? No, I,
0: that client is as good like as the last client, but this is not some somebody who is coming with a preconceived whole room I want to copy something. So they will have, if through I'm their one. travel and their journeys and their visits to restaurants and bars and showrooms and to their friends' houses, have identified key pieces of furniture or key artists or key object that they have collected on their journeys and, and they, they say I want to I'm include that to... in my in my home I want that to be part of my experience in my space I feel good with this there's something about this that I really like and then I can say well I can identify that as a mid-century piece or I can that's a, a, a Danish piece and I can say well let's start building a scheme around that or do we want to create something a lot more eclectic and, and, and more exciting and we can go on that journey together if a client comes and says It's almost as important for them to come and say, I hate this piece. So clients that have identified pieces that they love is important, but clients who have identified styles and pieces that they hate is equally important because I can take that and say, right, I know what direction we're not going and it saves me a lot of time. Um, You could come and say, I love this Philip Stark Lamp, but that doesn't tell me much about what you don't like or it doesn't tell me the design direction you want to go. I just know, well, you like a Philip Stark Lamp. But whereas if you define things you don't like, I can ask you questions, why don't you like it? Is it the style of the era, is it what you normally perceive the style of the space that you would find that object in that you don't like? If it's a modern mid-century, is it color-blocked haven? Is it something Scandinavian or is it something lofty and industrial? I can extract more from that information than I can by you saying, I just like this lamp because you know I'm listening to you and I'm thinking of something that is bothering me, which is the co- the sameness
1: of interiors all over the world mm. right and i and you know our conversation started i think it was before the the recording mm. and started as well, but where our conversation was touching on the fact that certain neighborhoods in new york have have obviously disappeared because they no longer have the identity that they used mm. to have right and if we look at interiors all over the world, it's becoming more and more the same do you do you buy that or do you disagree or don't you find that what you see in this trip you're going to take to
0: New York is going to be very similar to what we see here or what we might see in, in a city? In I Asia, think we right? see that in commercial design and we see it in residential design. And We had, we had two topics that we spoke about before the, the mic started rolling. And The commercial side in restaurants and bars, they all have, they're all churning out what they perceive to be desirable the, the desirable look and feel yeah. to get a certain demographic in the door to spend a certain quantity of money and right. fill their space. He, he What's wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. It is a, it's a business model. At the end of the day, that those business owners and those investors are, are the ones getting, that can spend money on design and buy and, and further research and development in design and other areas because they're buying high-end pieces and very established brands that like to, to spend the time and money or designers who have had a a broad education and traveled a lot in, in sort of discovering their own style and, and honing their own design techniques and their craftsmanship to produce products and, and furniture and interiors. And, art and, and interiors. interiors that are distinct. Um, like. So I mean it feeds, it's a vicious circle. You feed you put it in one end and it comes out the other. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with it. I, I don't Suscribe venture you. into those spaces or subscribe to those spaces as much as other people would. I, I do go to them. I do eat in these kind of restaurants and drink in those kind of bars. But I also love the speakeasies. I love those local coffee shops that have, still have you know an old Italian family running them. and, and the, the reason you're expressing discomfort with this is that there's something romantic,
1: there's something idealistic in your, in your approach to design, right? As if you have to go through a
0: process yeah. and you need to suffer it and then you'll get to a better place. Not necessarily. I, I think from out? my point of view, it's more a, a homing inst- instinct. I, I love entertaining, for example. So the idea of going to a family-run restaurant where it's quirky and it's not so perfect, I like. I like an eclectic mix of product, old and new and things have sort of evolved over time. It doesn't have to be that it's this perfect, magical, curated space. I just kind of like the you, imperfection. You just realize you've undermined your entire profession. I have, yes. But that, that's what I want to get. In my own home would be a very eclectic mix of pieces that I have left over from projects or I would have picked yeah, up and, and You've put together yeah, over, exactly. over the ages. It doesn't have to be a curated space. But also, I, on a daily basis, live and work in curated spaces that are perfect for my clients. Or perfect in the way that they want them to be perfect. I need a break from that as well. I need a little bit of imperfection, otherwise my OCD would be off the charts. So what you're trying to sell to me is that there is you, the private persona, and you, the
1: public persona. Absolutely, right? yeah. And, and you guys live in the same body, but you can yeah. actually
0: say two different things yeah. Yeah. at the same time. Exactly. I can appreciate a perfectly curated, immaculate property and love it. Could I live in it long term? I mean, if I had to, Yes. But I do like being able to kick off my shoes, relax. I love having my friends and my family around. I love entertaining. So, so that
1: says that you put your finger on, on the concept of the home, right? Yep. That you, you have your own understanding of yep. it. And when it applies to yourself, that's what you that's want. That's what I want, okay. yep. So But the, the gentleman or the lady that has had a home stage for them, right? Mm-hmm. is perfect. They remember they're they're Mr. and Mrs. Blank canvas, yep. right? They've they got nothing to say for themselves. And suddenly the home is there... Really? That, that's
0: what you want? You want them to just live there? You don't want that house to evolve? No, I think what you give them is you give them the next level canvas for them to work on. So I, part Explain of the process would be I would, I would interview a client and work with them on a brief and say, where are you going in your life in the next five to ten years? A lot of people will come and say, this is just an investment property for the next two or three years of my career. I'll buy it, we'll refurbish it. I want it to stay Wait, ahead of the curve. I've got
1: to hit pause. You ask your clients
0: before you discuss a design concept yeah. where is your life going in
1: the next five to ten years Yeah, so they, they
0: will uh, what are you looking for what I, you... I, well first of all they're looking at staying here long term okay is it investment because that will tell me a lot okay. about where so we're investing. You're trying to understand how they will use that yeah how they will use the home. space well before we even get on to how we would use the space is are there I want my clients to be happy I want them to leave feeling like hiring me was a good investment in the first place because this will be one project on a journey and where they'll buy several hopefully in 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 their lifetime and in their journey together, if they're a couple, or in their journey in life, if they're a single person, whether it's getting a larger property because they've got kids, or downsizing because they're getting rid of the kids and they've moved out and they've gone off to university and have their own family now. They'll all be looking for different things. So. Yes, exactly. So. But leaving a project, knowing that I did the best by them the last time around and advised them accordingly, if someone comes and says, We are absolutely only buying this as a good investment t- today we want to use it as leverage to buy another property in three years' time, we'll have extra cash because we'll have climbed the ranks in both of our careers so we'll have extra money to invest into uh, our mortgages and we'll be able to cream some more money off the top from our so, investments. So I would imagine you're go- not going to try to break the bank. No, but also then I way? would take an approach to, well, we've got to get the hard fixtures and fittings right. Your bathrooms and your kitchens have got to stand the test of time. The technology used in the home needs to be at a level that will be appreciated and still be considered modern in three okay. to five years' time. Okay. Once I've identified things like that, then we can look at, right, are we furnishing something as a three-year property? Well, then hold on a second. We're not going to spend £30,000, I don't think, on a dining table that you're not going to be taking with you. Because I also believe in having furniture that fits the space and not forcing furniture into space because you feel like you've got to take it to the next destination. If you come to me, however, and say, "We, this is our family home, we're not going anywhere for the next 10, 15 years, this is where we're staying, but then we're going to start spending some quality or spending on some quality pieces and some quality design because they've got to stand the test of time. There's no point buying pieces of furniture that you're going to have to start replacing in three years' time or four years' time because they start to get a bit okay, wicked. So it's not one
1: size fits all. No, exactly. So you're, you're tailoring a lot of decisions mm-hmm. to their pretty immediate needs, And it's right? the same
0: in my portfolio. If you look at across my, the breadth of my portfolio, there isn't a single common thread in any of them. The style is very and, different. And you're going to argue that it's because you've asked them these yes. questions. Um, it's my job as a designer in my opinion, to, and every designer has a different approach, to extract what you enjoy and what you like and want to have around you out of you and, and bring it to reality. You can go to a different designer if you want a house style. There are plenty of designers out there, and there's nothing wrong with it. They have a finely tuned machine with a beautiful aesthetic, and they know that they'll just recreate that aesthetic with a few changes in different floor plans project to project to project, and you go to them because you have fallen in love with that design aesthetic, or you don't really want to think about having to discover your own aesthetic, and that's what you get. With me, it's a very different experience. We'll go on a journey together, and hopefully you will love the process of going on the journey as well. So I'm, I'm listening to you, and there's this
1: contradiction between the way the world is going and what you're saying. And it's the fact that a lot of people are using things like Instagram Mm -hmm. and and Pinterest to present these kind of curated versions of themselves. It's kind of like snapshots that are frozen in time. And here you are advocating that every project is going to be different. Mm. Every client is going to have different circumstances. And therefore, no other house will be like this one. Mm. And therefore, you will not be a brand. You will not be a person that communicates a crisp and clear image to the wider Mm. world.
0: I'm not trying to. Are you reconciled with that? Can you live with that heavy burden? Yes, I can, because I'm not trying to create a brand as designed by Wolf or a brand as Brian Wolf. I'm. I designed by Wolf is a service. I'm a service provider. My job is to serve you as your designer and give you a project that you're happy with and you want to live in or has generated you funds because it was a good investment, whichever way you're approaching it as a client, I'm not caught up in having this brand that is Brian Wolf. I'm not creating currently furniture ranges with a defined style or wallpaper ranges or fabric ranges where I am just adamant that this is my design direction and this is the look. When and if I start designing furniture and maybe that will take me a different route and I'll be like, okay, this is the style for that element of my of my, my of my business. But business for my, my home, life. it's not. But also, I don't need everybody to want an individual home. I can only do so many properties a year. I am happy having the minority of design clients and working with them to give them the aesthetic that they want. I am fully aware that the world in general is going to a one size fits all type service. This is why a lot of the showrooms offer design services. There are a number of showrooms you can go to on the high street. You go in and say, Here are the floor plans from the state agents. Help me choose from the, the, the shop floor, what you have available. They'd sit down, look through the fabric books, and done. You don't need to go to a designer because the showrooms will do it for you. And there are plenty of services like that. And I, I do think interior design and interior architecture is becoming perhaps a little less accessible for a lot of people. It, because this is a, it's become an elite sport? Is uh, I, I think it is. I think it's not cheap. It is expensive to buy considered and well designed and what's the right word I'm looking for here? unusual and different pieces of furniture. Um, you again go to any high street and you' probably find the same style bed in just ten different ways and one showroom after the other. Whereas you can go to brands like de espada and I mean there there are a list of other brands that I go to and I look to for unusual pieces that you will not see copied and replicated by other brands because they are so different and it's i think the general public shy away from using those pieces because they haven't got the confidence in themselves nine times out of 10 to make the decision let me get that bed because i believe i can pull it off in a space it's slightly different it's slightly quirky it's different to what they see in every hotel or spa that they would visit it's different to what they would see in every restaurant and bar if it's a chair I think you need a designer to encourage you to go that route with particular brands, whereas there are lots of off-the-shelf solutions that you can feel confident in selecting elsewhere. That,
1: that, you, that brings you back to the subject of design culture or the culture at home, right? You, you started this conversation with this premise of how the clean slate person is such a a great client because Mm -hmm. they they will talk and they will inform you and then the project will become unique by default, right? Mm. But at the same time, you're complaining that, you know, there's this culture of sameness all over the place. There is this culture of sameness. There's this lack of courage that people have in terms of um, expressing themselves, right? And that comes from a lack of opinion, a lack of awareness mm. about design, doesn't it? And so in a funny way, in order to fix these problems, if you want to call them problems, you'd have to invent your nightmare customers, opinionated people who say, this is the love that I want. Yeah. Uh, Cash 22 right? It, I mean. Because your gripe was earnest. It was like, look, this, the reason the world is full of sameness is yeah. because people are no longer, sadly, interior design is becoming a more expensive craft. Mm. But sadly people aren't valuing it properly because yeah. the way they approach into your design you know, by looking at images yeah. and
0: saying copy this but is, seamless is, by is, default is a negative is cheaper as well. well. And the more people that buy it, the more accessible it becomes because the more units a brand is manufacturing, the cheaper it is for them to produce it. They find cheaper and more cost-effective ways of manufacturing it. The fabric becomes cheaper. They've done the initial research and developing and the templating. They find cheaper ways of shipping products, uh, changing the weights of the materials that they're using. When you increase the volume, you re- reduce You're the price um, and it, it, be- it makes it more accessible, so again, it's another vicious circle it's sort of you know and there is nothing wrong oh, so with where, where are we headed? Are we headed towards an ever decreasing amount of original: I think we are, I mean they available they're, they're, to
1: an ever decreasing number of people
0: yeah I mean I've seen in the last few years a variety of different e-designers, I think is what they call themselves. Where what is it, you log on you, you log, log on, you submit your floor plan and somebody at the end of the computer that won't be taking your phone call will generate some generic floor plans for you and say, this is the best layout for you and then here's our platform, maybe you can go and pick Materials, from it or you, here are a few high street brands that you can go to and they can help you because this, we've used typical size sofas, typical size rugs, typical size beds and off you go and they might give you a color scheme so they could say, here are the color palettes that we think would work for you in this space, so if you want to mix some grays and blues and light oak floor, and it costs them £1,000, it costs them £500, I don't know what the service costs, but it's a very cheap approach, and Cheap doesn't mean bad. It might just be the right fit for somebody right, else. It's kind of like the way everyone in this industry has gone. We, black cabs are on, well, not on the way out, but they're in less demand now because we've yeah. got the Ubers and the Lyfts of the world. Or somehow offered different price, a different, price yeah, service. So exactly. And price. then you have the same with hotels are struggling because you've got the Airbnbs and the Mr. and and the whatever else you've got on the market. And massage parlors and and spas are now replaced with things like Urban Massage and any of the other apps that you log into to get your massage at home your manicure your pedicure your facial delivered right to your door after work, and you don't have to leave the house it's going to be the same with design it's the same with lots of different industries even your stocks and shares you don't have to go to a broker anymore you can just Donald, Just you're acting,
1: you on. do everything. Hey, this is uh, reminding me of something that always interests me a lot, which is historical perspective, right? Hmm. Here, obviously, you as a great romantic who thinks that, you know, uh, wise men and it would, with long beards like William Morris had a had wonderful time. Where are we today in terms of the state of design? Are we living through good times? Is this a wonderful place to be uh, an interior designer with uh, all the things that you espouse? or are we headed towards a darker, more automated world? Are we headed towards a beautiful renaissance of the culture of the home and the culture of the object, which are two things mm. that, that I certainly appreciate? Where, um, where
0: are we going? I wouldn't say we're in a dangerous Period nice. of time. Okay, or, That, would, that I, would make it sound too ominous. I think. Um, I, think, I think it's a shame there's less appreciation for the historic pieces and the old pieces. I do love to include the odd old antique and even the most modern properties. And my clients love it. They love that sort of a blend and the story that one or two pieces can have in a space and what it adds to the, the environment. I do think we are running dangerously low on specialist crafts. For example, if I'm having someone come in to do Venetian walls or stucco wall treatments on the property, finding those people is... Let me interrupt you. This applies to all the different places that you've worked uh, in. You
1: see it as a universal
0: trend. It it is a universal trend, not necessarily in specific. So if I'm, for example, I just finished a property in Mallorca, but finding people to do stucco wall work was very easy because it's still one of those areas where you can find that speciality. Pretty easily without okay. problems. Whereas you come to London, I struggle with that. If I wanted to do Venetian walls in New York, I'm sure I would struggle to find someone to give me the same type of finish that I want over there. Right, and, and that applies to any trade. Uh, if I want specialist metalwork done, if I want, uh, it's it just getting harder so and how, harder how to find. how does this impact interior design? It just
1: makes it harder, from your point of view, that you cannot work out
0: the full palette of finishes and materials that you mm. No, that I can still need. work, it what just you... makes the lead times a lot longer. So for example, if the cocktail bar that's sitting behind you right now, if I go to produce that, it'll probably take me 16 to 20 weeks to produce it. Okay. But that's because it's cast, bronze finished doors, out of a mold, custom pieces, and there are only limited number of people that, people know, that can do that to the standard I would want them to do it at in the UK. Um, so, but clients understand that if you want something bespoke and customized and unique, it's going to take time. If it, if it involves a craftsperson, person, it's going to take time. By the time we've done the sampling, we've signed off on shop drawings, everybody's agreed, and then it's built and it's on site. So, so everyone's happy. You can you can pull it off. Yeah, so but it also makes the price of that a lot more expensive. Okay. Yeah, a big demand supply. Uh, it's supply. I mean, it's it's a very easy one to work out that the cost of things like this is just going up and up and up. Um, it's not like this can be done mass market, mass produced and they churn it out it wouldn't be the same product, it wouldn't be the same finish it wouldn't be customized, the edges wouldn't be the same the repeats wouldn't be the same um, it's just a, it's a different way we're going and I think ultimately every time you hear the word artisan or craftsperson you're going to put dollar signs and if you go and down a different route it'll be a little bit cheaper and that's, I think that's the only difference for us but I that and I think the lack of appreciation for older products or wanting to incorporate older products is a little worrying, but I, no, that, that is changing that
1: brings me to, a, to a, a subject that intrigues me, which is in a way you 're hired to bring a new life to space mm. right you, you someone has got a, a blank canvas and is, is looking for it to be brought to life, and in that process you 're not really expected to bring things from your past right there seems to be some sort of desire for a clean break and I look at the news in the last few weeks and months, and I see people show interest in how unsustainable uh, a lot of the plastic economy is that surrounds us. I see people talk about a wide range of environmental issues and it, it just feels like we're, we're slowly headed towards, like a slow motion crash, yeah. we're headed towards something quite terrible, quite yeah. calamitous. What is your responsibility as a person that is giving advice to people, right, to design spaces that can somehow be reinvented or can carry on into the next yeah of generation, the next inhabitant or, or have components that the owner can carry yeah. onwards with their life. Is this something that you've ever given thought to yeah. or is it such a complicated I, ideal that it's difficult to execute?
0: I think when working in luxury interiors, You interior. were saying,
1: look at these older
0: pieces suddenly yeah. they fit in here. And I thought, okay, how, why don't we carry yeah. that forwards? I think you don't necessarily consider luxury interiors and then put alongside it the green requirements that you might no, do if you're No, but it's it's a matter of ethics. No, it's no, a matter and, of and knowledge. so one of my pet hates, for example, yeah. is is brands that will have wear green credentials on their sleeve. Yeah, right? yeah. But then they'll ship their products in wrapped in fifteen million bits of plastic. of styrofoam and, and it's just that bothers me. You can't have your green credentials on one side and then decide you're going to shop. There is the like
1: inconsistency there.
0: I'll yeah. grant you that. And so what I will look at with clients is okay. You know, can we be using metalwork instead of plastics? Can we? What woods are we using in it? Buying product that we could recover the sofas change the cushions, but that you're happy with the frame and it's a beautiful frame. And so it's a this is frame.
1: becoming part of the dialogue with
0: people. Yeah, well, I also use it, to be fair, as an argument to invest into higher quality pieces. Okay. I'll say, well, this to is this is a framework this. that you will, can take with you. Yes, granted, the, the arms are going to fray over time from use and the puppy will pee on the sofas and you'll have stains in it. The kids will spin the, spill their juices. And but it's, cr- okay. but it's okay. But it's okay because we bumps. can change all of this. And we just, we, we replace them. But we don't have to replace all of the elements by something of substance. I do, I would never choose to, I would, if, if it was me and I was shopping on a particular budget, I would opt to go to any of the wonderful auction houses in London or outside London that are selling some incredible pieces of furniture that have been thrown out from showrooms that can't sell pieces, from show flats that haven't sell, sold the furniture with their show flats or for people who have lived in London for three years and then disappeared and then maybe upcycle some luxurious pieces for myself if if I was shopping on a budget like that. I think we when you go to the high streets and you're buying dining chairs and tables that are not going to be standing in three to five years' time. You've got to the world need more? Of that? Yeah, and, and they're just producing more. And I mean, you look at IKEA, as a, it's a great solution for a lot of people, but none of that stuff is going to be standing in five years' time if you're giving it a real test uh, and using it on an everyday basis and the problem is people just it's so cheap they disregard it so many of my friends go to I won't name the brands on the high street and buy t-shirts and they say it's now cheaper to buy 100% cotton cheap t-shirts buy 30 of them and chuck the 30 of them away when you finish wearing them and I'm like how is this right and but furniture is becoming disposable at a certain end of the market as well. People are like, well, you know what, this isn't my in-home, so I'm just going to buy a whole lot of stuff now and then I'm just going to have a skip come and remove it when I sell the flat and then I do it. And they do it for the first few properties and then maybe when they're in their early 40s and like the kids are uh, time uh, to a little more responsible, now but they that, do it. But the damage that they've done, the that's, and went wrong. To that, that's wrong. That's wrong.
1: Yeah. Right? We both agree on that.
0: Yeah, hey, but, yeah that we, it... but we are going that direction and
1: I, I think I'm intrigued whether it comes up in conversations or whether you can lead a conversation in, towards that direction. You know, you've you've painted a picture where the interior designer is in the end the person that exercises a lot of influence over the client's life, right? Yeah. And so, you know, if you if you believe in design as a way of making the world better yeah. rather than worse, then but, what, what should you be doing? What could you as do? a
0: designer and somebody that works in the luxury? And the sector. I'm, I'm never going to have that discussion with a client because already they've made the decision that they want quality. They want craftsmanship. They okay. want to work so with you're artisans really and artists. A, a so I'm already sphere. in a privileged sphere, sphere right. of my industry and I'm working with clients that have already passed that stage of their life. The only place I can maybe guide them is when their kids are Doing their flats and they asked me, Oh, can you give us a little bit of help? We're doing a student flat here and a student flat there. And I'm like, okay, I can guide you and let's let's look at how we can maybe reuse some of your old family furniture. And put it here. And put it here and redress it and what can we move around? Or are there pieces in your family home that you're now tired of? Shall we move those in? To your kid's first department, and, let's get something them new and from you can look yeah. just right
1: in this place. And a lot of my clients okay. will come and will
0: where, where does this bundle
1: of enthusiasm come? I've got to interrupt you. I've got the, the coffee. Out. Yeah. <laughs> no, it has <laughs> Lots to be more of than coffee.
0: Lots coffee. What's fun about this trade? Uh, still- you know what? Every single day is different. There's new people every day. There's new people at the end of the phone. There's new people at the end of the emails. I'm lucky that I don't have a house style. So, therefore, I'm not using the same product and the same suppliers on an everyday basis. There are suppliers. That I go back to time and time again because they have a, a wide Isn't range in the portfolio in. and I can work with them to customize it, whether that's the finishes and the fabrics or the sizes. And you will see certain brands repeated in my projects. But I would never go to a supplier and say, I'm gonna be using you in every project for the next 10 years because I'm not. There are there are brands I love. And if someone asks me, then I will if a client says, Oh, I really love that brand in the last project or that piece, I'll say, Oh, yeah, but we're not using it in the same finish. I had a great example, Della Espada. one client said, I want that bed, and I want that finish. Like we can do it, but we're not going to recreate that room. We'll we'll do it in a different we'll way, again. and we'll we'll start again. And you will still get that bed, but it won't feel like it's the same bed because it's got to be your space, and you've got to own that space and live in it. I don't want you to recreate a space from another one of my clients because it's not fair on either of you. You ha- you haven't paid and invested into this service and this journey to just recreate something that's already been. So created. it's all about this constant reinvention. Yeah, that's what keeps you awake. Yeah, it keeps me buzzing. I I, I go to bed thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. I. It's just fun. The people I work with in general are fun. You know, clients are always troublesome at some point or other in their journey and suppliers are also a little bit challenging at some point or other in the journey and it's working with everybody to keep harmony and just, you know, say to people we we will get to the end of this and we'll all laugh about this at the end but at the end of the day a client needs to leave happy. And I'm happy when the client's happy and the suppliers at the end of the day are happy when the client's happy. You think this is a
1: trait that we all share? Is this an optimistic industry?
0: No. No? (laughs) Absolutely not. Why? There's a lot lot of misery in in, Uh, in the Well, I think it's different. I am self-employed. I work for myself. I define my services and myself. People who work in the industry, it's not just the designers and it's not just the clients hiring the designers or the designers designing the products for the designers. Interior designers, too many designers in that sense. Um, but it's you have a lot of people never, who, enough. Uh, never enough. You have a lot of people in showrooms who are maybe just treating this as a job, and they don't, they don't have the same passion and enthusiasm. So they get disgruntled, or they don't. They're not willing to go on the journey with the client in the same way. They're just a sales assistant. They are or an account director, and they're there just to assist. And I have to remember that. It's not for them to inject the enthusiasm here. They're here to give me the figures, the numbers, and the floor plans if I need them for products or the product files when I'm putting them onto my floor plans. So not everybody can have the same level of optimism. And then you have a lot of people who, you know, a a lot of the factories that we deal with are, again, that's just their job. It's not their passion necessarily, which is sad to say, but it is their job. It it brings home, puts bread on the table and puts their kids through university and, and pays their mortgages. But they won't also have the enthusiasm and the passion. You will find that the designers at the start of the brand or the people further up the chain or the artisans that are involved in designing their new collections and the ranges, share that enthusiasm. enthusiasm. Yeah. So I, I try to partner with those people and I try and go meet them and it's I, I want to work with them and then they are in charge of managing their team. But you can't have everybody buoyant and bouncing off the walls because nothing will get done. We would spend too much time talking, drinking coffee, and getting excited about silly little things. Well, well that says a lot about this podcast, right? We might
1: mm. be like, we an bounced around. Hey, what is um, what is the role that you play in the bigger world? What are you mm. when you're no longer here?
0: What are we going to remember? What if oh, you God. have you brought enthusiasm to the? Industry I think yeah, and enthusiasm, a and love and a bit of a drive, and joy. Yeah, I I think you know one thing. I I do get back a lot from suppliers. Is they they have defined that. I prefer the in-person communication and the talks on the phone. I have a great relationship with a lot of my suppliers. They email me and I pick up the phone and ring the back. And they even joke now, they'll say, they know when they're sending me an email that the phone will ring within two or three minutes afterwards and they can identify the number come up on the screen. They're like, hey, Brian. and I, They know that I don't want to respond by email. I will call. And they... If I can be remembered for just approaching things in a more personable way and making it a more enjoyable experience and clients or and suppliers and designers sending each other a message at the end of the weekend or before the holidays, hey, have a really good break or remembering it's somebody's birthday or sending thank yous after you finish a project and say, hey, I know this was a really difficult one but really appreciate everything that you did to get it over the the final hurdle and the client's happy and I, I think if I, if, if I was remembered for that alone as opposed to my unique individual style then that would be enough for me so you've managed to go from New York to the benefits of being
1: a personable person right yes and, and, and a lover of people and I think that, that that is really as good a conversation as I can manage mm-hmm. on an afternoon like this great <laughs> well thank, thank you. you thank you for listening don't forget to rate the show Subscribe if you enjoyed today and see you soon.